You're tuned into the COVID-19 Community Report here on KDRT-LP 95.7 FM in Davis, California. I'm Autumn Labbe Renault. Today is Tuesday, April 26, 2021, and we're sharing local news and resources focusing on what's impacting Davis and nearby cities in Yolo County during the COVID-19 pandemic. This is episode 62, and it's the final episode of an effort that spanned nearly 14 months and 100 interviews. It's been my honor to provide vital local information, to ask good questions, and to help people and organizations tell their stories. In addition to all the folks who said yes to being interviewed, I do need to thank the following people. Thanks to Don Shore, who handled the technical aspects of the show so that I could focus on the interviews. He's the consummate community volunteer and a guy you really want on your side. Thank you, Don. To DMA's board and staff, thank you for your support as this show at many times pulled me away from other tasks. To Diane Crumley and Bryce Parker of said staff, thank you for all your back-end work with social media and editing. And finally, to my family, especially my husband, Craig, who simply accepted that I'd work weekends all year in order to do this. You all have my gratitude, and I couldn't have done this without any of you. Before we get to the interview with Yolo Food Bank, I'll wrap as I began with information about local resources. Yolo County Public Health announced some vaccine statistics yesterday. About 54% of residents in Yolo County have been vaccinated. Here in Davis, it's about 57% of us. And with a number of variants now circulating amongst our populations countywide, we're encouraged to get vaccinated and help reach herd immunity. As a reminder, signing up for the MyTurn app at myturn.ca.gov lets you see what's available in your area, but the county is also trying some no appointment required public clinics. Of particular note, the county will offer Pfizer doses at a public clinic for those 16 and older in Woodland this Friday, April 30th, and that's from 3 to 8 p.m., and at another Pfizer clinic at Harper Junior High in Davis on Sunday, May 2nd, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. That's also 16 and older. Appointments are not required for either of these, but you can register on my turn if you so desire. And one final note, yolocounty.org under the COVID information spotlight has all the information your heart could ever desire about testing rates, vaccine appointments, and more. We'll take a moment for music and be right back with our interview.
I was about 11 when my parents first needed to access food bank services in Southern California. My dad was a highly skilled steel worker who found himself frequently laid off when the American steel market bottomed out. I didn't understand what was going on and I could tell my parents felt uncomfortable, but I was just happy we had more food in the house. It wasn't difficult many years later to understand my parents' diligent distribution of socks, hats, gloves, and food every Friday night in downtown Puyallup, Washington, where they had retired because they both firmly believed in giving back. This concept of feeding people, of ensuring this most basic need of enough to eat, of people who have been helped helping others has played such a big role in the COVID-19 pandemic that was, it was an easy pick for me to center this last episode of this show on the Yolo County Food Bank. With a mission to end hunger and food insecurity in Yolo County, joining me today are the Food Bank's Executive Director, Michael Bish, and Rob Davis, who recently joined the organization as its first impact and innovation officer. Gentlemen, welcome and thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us and, and thank you for sharing that personal story as, a, as an introduction. That's, uh, it's a good thing this is audio only because I, I already have tears welling up. Michael, I remember speaking with you many months ago as the, as the pandemic was still in its early stages and as the number of people YOLO Food Bank uh, was serving just kept spiraling upwards. So have, have you ever caught your breath during this process? No. <laughs> so uh, whenever, whenever we think we've kind of stabilized, something new uh, happens that, that's unforeseen. Some of it is, you know, an additional need that we were unaware of uh, coming to the fore. And in some cases, and frequently, it's, it's been some new opportunity to, to gain additional resources that we can distribute around the community. So we're, we're still, even, even this week is just lining up as a crazy week. Well, help me with a little comparison. Pre-pandemic, how many people approximately did you serve every month as opposed to now? Where are we now? Uh, so the duplicated count, and I say that because we, we don't collect any, any data on our, on our food recipients. It's whoever comes is, is served. There's no means testing of any kind. We want to reduce any kind of social stigma or concerns. Uh, we, we welcome everybody. And so we, we, we're not we don't know who's showing up. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the duplicated count pre-pandemic was under 40,000. And there have been many, many months where it's been over 60,000 since the start of the pandemic. Wow. wow. And I would say uh, about a fifth of them are, are Davis residents. Very interesting. You know, to, to talk just about numbers is is kind of deceptively simple because food insecurity is linked to housing insecurity, loss of employment, disability, illness, and, and the pandemic has put many, many more people at more risk. Rob, I know you were deeply involved with the ramp up, um, the food banks ramp up during the, the very earliest days of the pandemic. What was your work then and what does it mean now to be the impact and innovation officer? Well, then it was really a question of trying to figure out a way to keep people safe uh, while making sure they had access to food. And, you know, th this was 
we were launching this program in the midst of a true lockdown. I mean, where people were being asked to stay home. And, you know, we knew that there were particular populations even then that were most vulnerable, elderly people with pre-existing conditions. And so it was truly an emergency response trying to mobilize people to deliver door to literally to, to the doorsteps. Yeah. And what I found unique about that was that we also had to think about how to keep volunteers safe. Um, so it was the first time I was involved in an emergency response where we also had to think about the logistics of bringing volunteers together to do it safely. Right. I think my role now, I mean, Michael indicated we're still to some extent in an urgent situation because of the economic fallout of the pandemic. But we also are in a position where we're looking beyond urgency to say, what is it that is the best way to make sure, one, we reach deeply into the community, that we really do, you know, I don't think anybody believes we're reaching everybody who's food insecure. So understanding barriers, as Michael alluded to, making sure that we're reducing those barriers, that we're reaching deeply, and then assessing the impact of our work. Is it really changing and enabling people to move out of food insecurity? We can't immediately change housing costs. We can't immediately increase, um, you know, uh, salaries, though I think as the food bank goes on, it wants to speak into those issues in a strategic way. Mm -hmm. But we know that when people do not have, when people have um, constraints on spending, the first thing that they're going to, to squeeze is their food because it's the most fungible thing they have. And so right. we need to make sure that our food is actually making a difference. And that's my role to sort of ask the question of, are we reaching deeply? How do we reach more deeply? And then how do we develop programs that have the most impact on the food security of our community members? So Rob, who are you asking that question of? Really good question. I think one thing is to find out the profile of the people who are, who are coming. As Michael said, we have no barriers and we're not going to have barriers. That is limits, a means testing or anything like that. But we do need to find out what is the food security profile of people who are coming. So we're working on that just by simply asking a few targeted questions based on well-known methodologies. And then I think we, to, to, to understand where to go deeper, it's interesting, Michael and I had a conversation about this yesterday. We need to, we need to find out who's not coming. And we think, that, we think that one important way to do that is through our schools. Mm -hmm. Schools have feeding programs. School ha schools have mean tested free food, but obviously students are connected to families. And so how can we work with school districts across the county to, and some are already doing this to identify families that are needy and are maybe not able to, to, to come forward. And, and there could be a variety of reasons, stigma being one. Uh, I don't think we really understand all the issues of stigma that are attached to people coming, but it could be other things like Maybe they're undocumented and are fearful that using this service will somehow jeopardize them because of some restrictions under the Trump administration. We have to learn more about what those constraints are. Could be time. Could be we're not offering food at the right time or the right location, you know, things of this nature. It's a lot of learning we need to do, but we think that schools uh, are a pathway, one pathway to learning more about who we're not reaching. And then the third I would say is just other partners we have, community-based organizations with whom, with which we work who really have their own mission in their own community. And we need to encourage them and support them to go deeper 
and understand who they can better, do a better job at reaching themselves. Interesting. Michael, what does it mean to have Rob join you at this juncture? Because I know as, as a fellow executive director, we're often the ones who are having to ask those big questions of other people. So now you have someone who's doing that. What does that free up for you or, or how does that add to your, to your work? Well, it, it's, a, it's an unbelievable blessing to both myself and to the food bank and eventually to the, the families that we're, that we're serving. We, we are all so super excited at the food bank to have Rob on board. It's like having a, uh, an, expert, an expert consultant that's in-house, right? He's, we, can, we can avail ourselves of his, his expertise, his inspirations, his compassion 24-7. And uh, we are, I know Rob's probably going, oh my God, Michael's setting these unbelievable expectations here, but it's, it's the truth of it. We, we it's, it is absolutely our intention to dramatically increase the quality of the services that we're providing through not just Rob, but a number of other resources that we are in, investing in this, in this effort. This past year, it's been a huge, huge heavy lift in getting out as much food as, as possible to individuals at, at, in need, but it hasn't been precise. It hasn't been precise. We haven't had the time, as Rob mentioned, to ask the right questions of the right people. We don't even know if we're doing certain things right. Yeah. Uh, that, that's where we got to get to, and, and Rob and some others that are helping us, are, are, they're going to ensure that we get there. Right. That, that's crisis, right? You, you jump in, you do what needs to be done, you ask questions and, and compile data later. Um, and I, you know, I understand that really well. I think anyone in the nonprofit sector does. Michael, you, you supervise a large staff. I'm sure it's not large enough. Um, a, a huge volunteer compliment. You have a lot of community partners. Was there ever a moment in time during all of this when you just thought, I don't know how we're going to do this? And if you had that thought, who who was who were the people you turned to? Who are the partners you turned to? Every day has been, I don't know how we're going to do this. That's fair. Every, every day was also absolute confidence that we're going to get this figured out. I have an unbelievable staff. We have unbelievable resources that we can tap into. There was no time where I ever thought, we're not gonna be able to make this happen. But it was always paired with, I don't know in this given moment how we're gonna do this. And so I, I can tell you the, um, I wanna say it was the afternoon of the, the first announcement that we had a COVID case here in Yolo County. I sent out a text message to my executive team saying, I want you to spend this weekend figuring out how we're gonna, uh, ensure the safety of our staff so that we can uh, continue as a going concern here. Uh, and the second thing is, I want you to immediately start anticipating what the needs are going to be from a lockdown and, and start, uh, start developing plans to, to meet those needs. It was happening that fast in yeah. real time. Yeah. So we didn't know how we were going to do it, but we knew that we were going to, uh, to do it. Rob, I'll ask you the same question. Did you ever have a moment of thinking, I don't know how we're going to get this done today. What happens next? 
Well, I'm, I mean, maybe, so I'm new to the food bank, but I, I think I'm in a position where I'm actually being given permission to step back and ask, where is it going next? Mm -hmm. Without the burden of having to worry about the day to day. I mean, that's how Michael's positioned me in this job. And so my role is to say, if we're interested, you know, if we're really committed to reducing food insecurity, if we're really interested in an equitable local food system, what is the role of a food bank in that? Uh, do we measure our success in pounds of food? Mm -hmm. Clearly not, because pounds of food may not translate into nutritional well-being. And so there's a whole series of questions that I'm being given permission and, and some time to begin to answer. You know, we're moving already the conversation from food security to nutritional security. So that's questions of the quality of the food. Mm -hmm. How do we work with donors to assure we're getting the best into people's hands in sufficient quantities? Um, what are the best methods? Uh, how do we work with farmers? There's a myriad questions. And I think we, be, you know, I think because not just the YOLO food bank, but food banks in general across this country. And I, I don't know how this sounds to the listener, but you know, we often talk about our fraying social safety net. Whether people see it or not, food banks are a critical feature of that safety net. And if that's the case, then we have to, as any safety net participant would, um, we have to recognize that there are structural issues, including the cost of housing, including inadequate salaries, including inadequate benefits, that a food bank can, because of its positions, speak into. And we're, 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 so we're, 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 we're in a situation where we can move beyond saying we're distributing food to, we're also uh, identifying and encouraging people to address the structural issues. Those are my challenges. Yeah. At this point, I don't know how it's all gonna play out, but we're not alone, right? We're, we're part of an association and of a broader movement across this country that is in flux and moving towards the direction of social justice. And so we can learn from others and share our learning with them. And that's the beauty of being in a position where we are asking the broader questions about our role. Definitely. One of the things I've said over the course of almost 100 interviews this past year is that the pandemic has done an excellent job of illuminating all those frayed spots or holes in, in the safety net. And, and there are just so many of them. And you're right, food is one piece of that, but it, I would argue it's a very important piece. Yes. So we are beginning to emerge from the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, the statistic I heard this morning is that 54% of Yolo County residents are now vaccinated. That's just over half. That means we have a way to go. There's concern about the variants coming in and how people can get sick and, tra and continue to, to transmit it. So even as we're beginning to emerge, I've talked to a lot of nonprofits who are already having conversations about the next pandemic or the next public health crisis. And if you think about it, about every 10 years, there's been something that's come along, some flu variant, some you know, stretching all the way back to AIDS. We have about a, a, a serious public health crisis at least at once every decade. So how do you begin to, Michael, I'll address this question to you. How do you begin to prepare, how do you integrate the lessons of the COVID-19 pandemic and begin to prepare for whatever else is down the road? So Yellow Food Bank was preparing unknowingly for the pandemic uh, in the two prior years uh, 
to to the start of the of the pandemic, we were uh, not knowing uh, what services that we would need to provide in the future. We started incorporating best practices as far as being nimble, being resourceful, being uh, willing to experiment, to try new things, to adapt, and to to innovate. And so I think food, the food bank itself is well positioned to address whatever comes down the pike. You know, what that looks like, I, I don't know. Uh, the, the challenge for us though is we, we're not operating in a silo as, as you well know, right? There's all these other nonprofits, there's governmental partners, there's all kinds of uh, uh, community orgs um, that, that we work with and so, our, our impact is, is only as great as our partners are willing to uh, in, embrace uh, the things that we're trying to achieve. And so that is definitely one of the things that we learned from, from the pandemic is where uh, individuals and organizations were, were willing to embrace um, the things that the food bank was trying to achieve. We had remarkable successes, right? I mean, I would, I would say, you can point to Yolo County as as an example, as a as you know a, a light on a hill, lighthouse on a hill. I forget what the expression is, uh, or how one responds, how a community rallies and responds to a crisis uh, in the state of California. Um, but we've also had examples where folks were just not willing to break out of their silos and and collaborate and and that's where we've seen some things not not work so well and one of the things that we've definitely learned is that when we are hit with an emergency uh, we need to improve how we communicate with with each other at the outset mm -hmm. of the of the of the crisis so that that collaboration doesn't start too late yeah. And we're having to make up all kinds of, of lost ground. And so, for example, with this pandemic, uh, no one ever reached out to, to Yola Food Bank to get engaged. We, we had to insert ourselves in the, in, the, in the conversation and start asking some key questions. Hey, how is a low-income senior ever going to successfully shelter in place if they have no access to food or to water or to toiletries? They would have to emerge from their shelter and expose themselves. Yeah. And so, so that is what spurred uh, the home delivery program that, that Rob was talking about uh, earlier and that he so, so successfully uh, led as a, as a volunteer in, in, at the outset of the, um, of the pandemic. So that, that, that coordination and collaboration and communication at the outset of emergencies, that has to change. It's, it's, not, it's not acceptable. Yeah, so there's a big lesson learned right there. Gentlemen, we're down to our last couple of minutes. I do want to give you an opportunity. I imagine you have some people you'd like to thank for their efforts this past year. So let, let's do that. And let's make sure we give um, the URL for your website, yellowfoodbank.org. When you go to the website, folks, there is a large button at the top that says volunteer. There's a large button that says donate. You know what to do. There's help is needed in many ways. Um, how about we thank some of the folks who have helped you out so much this year? Well, let me. We're going to we're gonna have to double the program length. <laughs> and I'll let I'll let Rob start off, and and I'll fill in some yeah, gaps. I'll just say one thing. You mentioned the button about volunteering. I mean, 
that's the richness of our community. And hopefully it's the richness of any community. But there were times at the outset when I needed about 150 volunteers a week where I had seven or 800 volunteers ready and waiting. And so my first big shout out goes out to volunteers who played every role imaginable from translating for Russian uh, shut-ins to delivering boxes of food to calling people on the phone to correct their address. The, the volunteer base was broad and, and it was very experienced and very mature. And that's our community. That's our community yeah, in Yolo County. Yeah, big thanks to all the volunteers. Michael, how about you? Well, I would like to thank Chancellor May for lending us, Rob, at the <laughs> at the outset of the of the pandemic. I, I reached out to him and said, you know, Rob has some expertise that we really need to tap into. And I think uh, in this in this phase of the pandemic, he would have a greater impact with us than he would on campus. And so uh, the chancellor made that happen. I would absolutely like to thank our, our food and fund donors who uh, they made the pandemic response possible the first four months. We didn't get any federal uh, resources until uh, I think we started getting some food boxes end of April. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't get any federal funding until I want to say it was July. Uh, so the first four months of the pandemic were funded entirely <laughs> by private philanthropy right here in Yolo County. It's just That's amazing, a, yeah. and awesome, you know, inspiring. I would like to thank the business partners who came out and said, hey, we can't operate our business right now. We have these trucks and with these drivers. We want to help out with the distribution. Uh, you know, we had uh, rideshare uh, companies that were helping with, with distributions. We had uh, businesses donating rice and beans and, and toiletries and anything that you can think of. Um, the farmers, unbelievable generosity from the, from the farmers. Just, I can't say enough about our farmers here in Yolo County. Uh, Rob mentioned the volunteers, uh, the, the breadth of the, of the volunteers and the skill sets that they brought to bear were amazing. Our community partners, our nonprofit partners, our school partners, just incredible uh, collaboration there. And then of course, our, our, gov our governmental partners, they, you know, at times their responses were just awe-inspiring. I mean, the county, the way they initially collaborated with Yolo Food Bank to launch the home delivery program to get the word out uh, was, was incredible. At the state level, we got all kinds of, of resources and we've been working quite closely with the state office of emergency services and then of course the usda provided uh, quite significant resources as well wow. one final I'm, I'm sorry i forgot the media i you and your colleagues i'm telling you folks can only mobilize if they know there's a problem and they and they, they know how they can provide imp impactful support either as donors or as as volunteers the media made that happen your shows week in week out man throughout this pandemic just unbelievable super, super appreciative thank you for that and thank you both again for joining me for the last show and and i'll give a big shout out to all your staff and board and volunteers and partners and everybody who made this happen and uh, i want to thank all my guests over the past year you are guest number 98 and 99 respectively so almost 100 interviews over the course of the last 13 months and for one final time from the kdrt studio this is autumn labe renault and you've been listening to the COVID 19 community report 
learn about KDRT's programs and find the full archive of this show at kdrt.org and stay safe out there. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>